Welcome to the Sea Live podcast. My name is Sam, and welcome along here tonight. I hope you're doing very well. Uh, as always, I've got my friend Chris Vance. How are we doing, Chris? Hello, everyone. All right. Hopefully, you've all um, had a nice week. Uh, lockdown week three for Certainly us. Certainly is week. week number three, and there's no excuse now. I've been drilling this home for the last couple of weeks. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So Facebook is at Sea Live. Twitter at CLiveEnter1 and also on Instagram at CLiveUK. But enough about that. What we're here to talk to you about today is a gentleman who recently we came into contact with, Chris and I, uh, through the agency. And he's quite successful. Uh, A gentleman named by Mr. Richard Stanton. How are we doing today, Richard? I'm doing well, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. I feel like in my living room, even though you can't be. Well, so it's this exciting. Is the thing. This is technology for you. We can literally go to anyone across the world. Um, but Richard, you are a singer and songwriter. You're actually from Cape Town in South Africa. And we're, we're, not, we're not escaping you from South Africa, are we? Unfortunately not. I've got a vest on, so I'm pretending. But my, my skin clearly hasn't seen vitamin D in months. But spring has been good so far. Spring has sprung, and obviously it's Easter weekend, so we'll be enjoying the sun from the other side of the glass, unfortunately. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh. That's brilliant. And you are a, like I said, a singer-songwriter, and you came to fame in 2016 when you won South Africa's version of The Voice. Indeed. Yeah. And a bit of a whirlwind of a experience, I hope. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, I was studying uh, like economics. I was studying business science at UCT, which is the University of Cape Town. And my girlfriend called me up and she was like, oh, there's this, uh, the voice is coming to South Africa. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, it's the South African version. I don't know if, you know, I don't know how we'll do whatever. And I just thought, why not give it a shot? And yeah, it was just a completely surreal experience. Once you're on those sort of platforms and you see the chairs spinning and you you there. It's just a very, very strange experience. And then to see yourself on TV, you die inside a little bit sometimes. <laughs> I must be honest, especially if you do a terrible performance. But, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I met some amazing people who've taught me a lot. And, yeah, I guess I'm here. Well, I'm not in Liverpool exactly because of it. But, yeah, it's really it taught me a hell of a lot. What was the... Uh... What was the uh... What was the process you went through on that, Richard? Did you audition or did you get, uh, did you, someone find you for it or did you audition for it? Or um, they did do scouting. So there were a few of my friends who I know or subsequently found out that they'd been scouted. But because I wasn't really in the music scene that much, I was, um, I had to go to the like open auditions. So we had to go to Newlands Cricket Ground. If you watch any crickets, you'll, you'll know Newton's Cricket Ground is quite famous. But we went up there and we had to stand in lines for like five or six hours and actually sang the song I auditioned with, Skinny Love. And um, then we like said some stuff about, you know, personal information, whatever, like our life or background, whatever. And then I got a call like three weeks later saying, hello, like this is confidential, but we're going to fly you up to Johannesburg uh, next week for the blind auditions. And I remember I was studying for a stats exam and my mind was like blown. It feels like a different life now, though. It's like I can't believe that it was only four years ago because it feels like music has been my life and like my focus for so long, but it literally has only been four years. So whirlwind is a good adjective. (laughs) And and you you audit. What was the song you audit? What was the song you audit with? Skinny Love, was it? Skinny Love, yeah. And did 
all the all the judges turned, didn't they? They and did. Who yeah. did you who did you pick as your mentor? I, I went with a gentleman by the name of Con Morby. Uh, he's the lead singer of a band called the Parlotones. Actually played at the Cavern Club like last year, end of last year. So they're pretty pretty uh, successful South African band. Um, but I went with him, and yeah, we became good friends, and taught me a lot, and. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just standing on stage and singing. You know, I'd never sung with a click track in my ears. You know, I'd never done things like that. And it was just like, you know, sometimes you don't hear yourself perfectly on stage and you've got to adapt and learn. You know, it's not like sitting in your bathroom and playing a song that you've practiced for the last three weeks and enjoy, you know. So it's like, it's pretty intense, but it's a quick, quick way to grow. And what's the, what's the fallout of, fall of that? Do you go on a tour or did you do sort of smaller shows or what, what was, what was the, um, the I did do, yeah, it's I like, kind of was like, you know, we had a lot of bookings come in, um, immediately after the show, I was doing corporate gigs all over the show. Just, I, there was a song in particular, I did sound of silence that did really well. And a lot of corporates were asking me to play. Like I, I there was a, for spa, you know, spa, um, the shop, they, they had like a big presentation and the guy had me as part of his presentation. I would come up and perform Sound of Silence. So I was doing things like that, which was very strange um, just because it was so different to what I was used to. And then we'd do tours and play live venues where I'd just play original music, play all the stuff from the new album. And then, yeah, it was pretty wild. But for like the next like year, it was just go, 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 flat out. Um, and then I kind of had a bit of time to sort of simulate and work out what I wanted to do. Because also you want to become an artist, you know. I didn't have yeah. the time to really, I didn't know who I was when I entered the show exactly as an artist. There's a lot more than seeing a few covers that you enjoy. Because you were only so, 22 yeah. when you first, well, sorry, when you won the first season of The Voice. And to be honest, I only sang on stage for the first time when I was 17. And then it was like, that was for like a week. And then I went back and played rugby and then I got injured again. So I joined the gig band. And then I, Start, I, I think I probably started singing really only in like 2014. So it was pretty fast and I was kind of assimilating all these different things and all these different music, musicians and influences and trying to work out who the hell I wanted to be. I never really thought, okay, I need to write all my own music. And when I did, it wasn't really planned. Like, you know, you have a structure and a way that songs have to be made. Um, so yeah, it was just, I yeah, learned a hell of a lot. I didn't even know time signatures. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was going on, bro. So yeah, it's been fun though. I mean, uh, I wouldn't have done it any other way. So yeah, I find I find as well. I find as well because I see a lot of musicians, as you know, and um, sometimes the more knowledge you have, sometimes can hinder musicians. I find, and 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 if you go in there totally as you, without knowledge, you just write, 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 write. Mm. Sometimes I find the people I see as well, if you just wrote a song, sometimes a theory can hinder hinder certain musicians, I think. I think sometimes more knowledge is great for, for certain things, less knowledge. You just do it, and then mm. that's how you perceive music then, isn't it? Yeah. So what genre are you doing? Because obviously jazz cats have wild knowledge, and that's very important, and they need to have you know jazz chops and be able to play in a certain way. But as a singer-songwriter, it kind of depends what you're going for. I mean, you get a guy like Charlie Puth who has, like, perfect pitch and is a phenomenal musician, and um, his theory is through the roof. He's, like, a grade 8 uh, pianist and whatever. But then you have other guys where it's a completely feel thing. 
and they'll get into a room with their mates and they'll record and they'll just create. So I think you, I do understand what you're saying though, because you do get those oaks who have so much knowledge. If you play a chord, it sounds right, but they know that it shouldn't be there. Yeah. They can't let go of that and they can't unhear that. And I think that's the biggest thing is like trying to, because you're obviously trying to be creative. So when you have so much going on, maybe it can be difficult. I don't know, because <laughs> I don't know too much to sort of hinder me. So it's just kind of learning the things that I find or I've kind of worked out to be key um, when so, it comes to creation. Yeah, so on The Voice, so on the voice, you obviously had to sing something every week, a yeah. different song, and you had to, it was a competition. Did you have any input to how a certain song one was going to be or did you say I quite like that or I don't like that or um, were you told specifically what to so they, we only had a uh, set list of shoes from and they had to be relatively current so it was like from the 2000s so we were blessed with Britney Spears and that sort of thing so that's not quite down my down my alley <laughs> but um, you could kind of make I mean I think I uh, I did a version of 500 Miles which was the first live show and I completely reworked it and thankfully that had fit into the thing and you do have the input but you know a lot of the time on these shows the slower more ballady songs I found were the more impactful ones because you could connect emotionally with the people than some dance number where you could slap a vocal on any dance number really unless you're doing crazy vocal gymnastics which wasn't really my forte so they did need like a BPM um, average throughout the shows so that it wasn't too lethargic so if I did for example a slow song the uh, week before I couldn't then do a fast song the week I mean I couldn't do another song a uh, slow song the week after that so you kind of had to average it out so everybody got a, a chance to show different sides to them so that, that was obviously a tricky part and you couldn't just play any song in the world um, but I think at the end of the day yeah if, if you have a good voice and you just back yourself you should be able to kind of do any sort of song, you know, if you get in the right key or whatever and work it out. But Did, yeah, it was it was pretty stressful because you kind of want to be true to yourself as well. Yeah, I think yeah. one of the things as well that um, what I experienced as well being on the X Factor as well is that there was some sort of like I don't want to say sob story, but there was an element of story behind you, or if if it was a, a you know a relative that pushed you to go on, but. There wasn't, there wasn't really that, well, obviously your girlfriend and it pushing you to go on The Voice, but from, you said you were 14 when you first picked up your guitar and started singing, and that was because of an injury that you sustained during cricket, was it? I was playing provincial cricket at the time, uh, obviously back in South Africa, and I, um, I'd gone through quite a growth spurt and I had got a stress fracture in my back and my vertebrae had like worn down from the pressure of bowling. So I went to the doctor and he was like, go dude, like you're not going to be able to play sport for at least like a year. Wow. So he put me in a back brace, like, um, what's a girl's name from, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, those classic corsets, slap one of those Kira on. Knightley. And that's what I, <laughs> Kira Knightley. Yeah. That's what I looked like. Kira Knightley for a year. And I kind of lost my mind a bit. I was just kind of like, you know, sports is my purpose. Cricket is my purpose, what I do. And then I was watching American Idol, which I always did, because I always enjoyed music, but I never thought of really pursuing it. And I thought, oh, why don't I just try and pick up a guitar now? And then I picked up a guitar, and I started playing, and I learned a song called, well, you know, Billie Jean. So a guy on, on American Idol, David Cook, he redid it. 
he redid a, a version of Billie Jean and it blew my mind because it was a complete twist on it and everyone loved it and it was really powerful and I loved his vocal. And funny enough, I actually ended up doing that same version in the final of The Voice, which was kind of like a full circle kind of vibe. So it was pretty rad. Um, but yeah, that was when I started playing a bit of guitar. I just locked myself in the bathroom for hours. It's like a great way to fall asleep as well. Like just before bed, you go play there and like the acoustics are great. And then, okay, cool. Like I'm falling asleep, put your guitar down, dive into bed and you're out. Uh, well, I, from my experience with the X Factor, they wanted to home in on a story. So obviously people would tune in and obviously fall in love with the different contestants or the, was it a top 12 for The Voice? Or was it a, a, the top 16? Uh, so obviously the audience can be, uh, you know, support their uh, each contestant. So did you use that as your story or uh, what? I never enjoyed the stories because they're often like, it's it often can be twisted and whatever. You, you don't know what's going to happen with regards to editing and you don't want to feel like people are you know, being sympathetic and only voting for you because of a situation. You want them to, you want, I've always wanted to be told, okay, we're selecting you based on merit, you know. You don't want to be picked for a rugby team because you're everyone's best mate. You want to be picked because you're the best flanker in the side. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The same kind of mindset I had. I didn't want to be sharing too much, divulging too much personal stuff. Um, and yeah, so just wanted to be straight up, tell them a bit about myself, but then let the, the singing do the talking, you know. How did you, how did you find the the reaction to everything so you were you were you were in the papers you were on the tv you were every how did you find that process to change from nothing to being on the telly every week in the papers in there was it was it's it, it was it was wild i mean i didn't expect it and obviously like we south africa is a lot smaller you know our viewership i can't imagine what it must be like to win the x factor uk or america or something wild like that but even in Cape Town, just the vibe of getting called the next day after my interview and getting called by KFM, which was, is our, one of our biggest radio broadcasters, their uh, producer was like, yo, Ryan O'Connor, who's the breakfast show um, uh, host, wants you on the show. And I literally left Varsity the next day to go to a, a radio show. And then the, the interviews were rolling in and whatever. And I was like, I can't study this year. This is going to be too hectic. So I just dropped it and went. But it was... It was wild, dude. I mean, I got like a thousand friend requests in, on Facebook in like the first like day. And it was just, what? I, I mean, I have like 200 friends on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was strange, bro. So you said sport was the first uh, thing you were into when you, before music. I've seen a video of you and you, you were singing the national, was it the national anthem you were singing? Yeah, I did. <laughs> It was wild. That was crazy. What, what? How did that come about? Yeah, so a few of us got um, phoned by the guys who organized the anthems, and I got a call, and they said, would you like to do the national anthem? I've never said yes to anything faster in my life. Um, and, yeah, I can't explain to you. It was a game against Ireland, um, and it was in Port Elizabeth, which is one of the, the Mozambique Stadium, which is, a, like, wild. And, um, yeah, I mean, we went there, and it is a... It's just a huge, um, I think there's 45, 50,000 people and it was packed. And um, it's not Moses Babita, I forgot the name of this, <laughs> the stadium, but it was, it was packed, packed, packed. And I mean, I had in-ears on 
which was the worst. I, I've never taken in ears out so quickly because obviously that we have we have got to be singing in time and whatever. There's a lot of slap in the in the in the stadium, but to be standing in front of like your heroes from a rugby point of view, have them singing behind you, have an audience like I'm getting goosebumps now, bro. It was insane, and I took my my in ear out on the because it finishes in South Africa, Ireland. And on the land, I took my ear and just wanted to take it in. Absolutely. It was, it, it was, yeah, it was just so surreal. And it just shows the power of like, you, it, there's nothing like a huge crowd singing together. You know, I went to, I was lucky enough, I went on an exchange to Wales when I was 12 years old um, with, my, with my school. And we st- went to a school called St. John's on the Hill and we went to watch uh, Wales versus Italy at the Millennium Stadium. Oh, and there, the Welsh people start singing, and it's just like goosebumps, like it's insane. And um, yeah, it was great. And also, you ride on the field there because it's got quite like a similar to the Wanderers Cricket Stadium in in Joburg in South Africa. It's like a bull ring. It's you like a ride on the field, so you hear the hits. You can almost feel wow. it in your chest when the guys are smoking each other. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to be able to sing the national anthem for you know my country, that's like the highest honor. So yeah, would you say yeah. that? That was the best kind of uh, performance, uh, regardless of um, you know your performance itself. But that was kind of like the best. Oh yeah, hands down, bro. I mean, because obviously when you're performing, it's like a selfish thing. You're like wondering how you sound. What I just saw it as like a huge, huge collaboration with forty-five, fifty thousand people singing because we're proud of our country. I mean, I'm not going to lie, I miss home so much because I love South Africa. But I mean, dude, it, yeah, having that, doing that was just a dream come true. And somebody put it on YouTube, so I'm so stoked. I've got a, got a copy of it, so I'll have that until I'm like 85 years old. Like, I sang this once when I was young. <laughs> Sorry. Brilliant. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, so after the, 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 the voice, you won the voice, all that, what, what happened with like um... – release the material did you release a single did you go into the charts what happened that so yeah so actually in the semi-finals of the voice we were able to release um songs onto itunes and the song that we were performing that weekend in the semi-finals went up onto itunes after the semi-final live show aired and i'd forgotten that we released it and that's when i put sound of silence out the voice one and we put it out and i'm sitting there with my brother and his um and his wife and they'd come to support me that week because you can bring family. And I'm sitting there and I get a e- uh, uh, WhatsApp from the music director saying, bro, well done. It's number one on iTunes already. Wow. Like in iTunes, wow. South Africa. And I was like, what? Like I, I, I'd, I'd forgotten. I was like tucking into my chips and burger. And I was like, this is crazy. And then the A&R guy from Universal Music messages me. He's like, well done, bro. I was like, what is going on, dude? And then, yeah, it stayed at number one for the whole week until the final. And then I did uh, Billie Jean in the final. And then it actually held the number one and two position because Billie Jean got released. So we had Sound of Silence. And so that was amazing. And I was like, this is what? You know, I didn't even, I forgot about it. And then the pressure was on because we had three weeks to release a single, an original song. And the demo that we got sent was by, by, by a gentleman called James Bay. Don't know if you've heard of him. Ironically, I actually I sang Hold Back the River in the Battle Rounds, which was another crazy little twist of fate. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, and 
Yeah, that track actually played after I got through my audition. So it's like these weird little like threads. Um, but yeah, so we had three weeks to do it. We reworked the song a bit because his demo he sent us was just acoustic. There were a couple of different, uh, probably slightly too musical chords for um, two alternative chords for pop music. So we had to rework it a bit. And before we'd even got approval from James and his team, we were already filming the music video. So it was like sending it away for post-production. I had a flight to get to, to get to Cape Town that night while we finishing backing vocals at like three in the morning or two in the morning. And then it got to be at onset at eight in the morning to go and film the music video in one day. And then I was in South Africa, I mean, in Cape Town that evening. So that was all happening in Joburg. And then the next week I was back in Joburg and they dropped the first single, What Tears Me The Most. And that... Thankfully, it also got to number one, so I was very relieved because you don't have, like, have all the covers go to number one and then no one wants to hear the originals. So, yeah. Unbelievable. And from winning The Voice, that, like you said, that year must have been you know, packed full of gigs. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about some of the, kind of like the higher corporate and stuff that you were doing uh, in, well, in South Africa and also the world as well. Dude, it was just very strange. I mean, we I performed on cruise ships. We did an amazing thing where we went to the uh, the Portuguese islands off the coast of Durban. We performed on a cruise there. I did a uh, it was really nice doing the stuff for spa. We did a really nice one uh, in about eight months later for Mercedes, which was super dope. I've never seen that trucks that nice because we've got quite a, quite a large agricultural um, sector of our economy, obviously, and. Um, yeah, they brought in these massive trucks and just being able to perform there for people. I learned a lot about, you know, you, you kind of have to adjust for, for the audience. So it was, it was also cool to see how you could get, you know, um, get people who are not necessarily there for a party up and dancing, you know, because if you can get them up and dancing, you can get anyone up and dancing. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, people are there for a good time. I mean, we did Old Mutual, we've done Bidvest, we've done Investec, we've done Spa, as I said, so, yeah, I mean, I can't even remember all of them. It was just like one every, virtually every third day. So it was just go, go, go. Um, and, yeah, that's just, I suppose, you, this, it comes with the territory. And obviously, it was lovely. Um, the people are always super pro, and you always have the nicest sound as well, which is wild, which is wild. So, so being a chart-topping superstar. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And number two. And then three weeks, and then three weeks later, you're number one again. Yes. So it's just, it's just, it must have been a crazy, crazy ride for that while it was, it was on. But it's, yeah. Was there a point when you were doing that, you just wanted to just go back and play original, not originals, do, do, yeah, play original tracks, write, write your songs, and. I mean, yeah, exactly it. I mean, to be honest, as I said, obviously it's sick having James Bay uh, send me a demo and then using that song and saying it's mine. But at the end of the day, you know, even if I'm just playing to Chris and Sam here, it's like, I want you guys to know that these lyrics and this message is from me. And that was something I was struggling with because I'd have the nicest people come up to me after these shows and be like, oh my God, like, you know, this really touched me and stuff. You know, what inspired you to write this song? And I'd only really like written like two or three of the songs on the album. And then I'd have to, if it wasn't a song that I'd written, if it was just a demo, I'd have to like orchestrate a thing and be like, this is what it's about. And it was just my interpretation of the song. And I kind of felt 
I wanted to make music and sing music and have a message that is from me, you know, at the end of the day. So that was the thing. And then I kind of took a step back at the end of 2018 and did start writing some new stuff. So, yeah. Um, go on, Sam. You, you. Who am I going to? I'm going to me. I'm going to me. I was going to say, why don't you play one of your originals? I was going to play. Um, I think it's quite relevant to the chaos that's going on in the world now. It's just like, guys, wherever you are in the world, you're not alone. We're all in this together, which I think is a, not in the high school musical sense. We're on it. Um, it's just like, you're not alone. Everyone's inside. Just do the right thing. Stay safe. Stay inside. And just chill. Reflect. Spend time with your loved ones, the people in your house. You know, we're so distracted by all this stuff every day. It's just sometimes it's hell of important just to, like, reflect and slow down. So, yeah, I'm going to play a couple of verses and a chorus from a song called Breathe. Let's go. Available on Spotify and Apple Music internationally. <laughs> I've been down, I've been out, I've been tripping lately I've been gone, I've been broke, I've been sipping lately But it all goes out the window when I see your face Cause we've all got things in life we know we can't replace Cause if your body needs to breathe, breathe in And you slow down, so breathe out Stop and going crazy. Still, my mind spins inside, got me feeling hazy. When I close my eyes at night, I still see your face. Cause we've all got things in life we know we can't play. Cause if your body needs to breathe, breathe it. You slow down, so breathe out. And you know how, so breathe in. And you slow down, so breathe in. Breathe in, breathe out. Thank you. Hey. hey. Yes. Well done, well done. Richard. Fantastic. Excellent. Now you find yourself in Liverpool. Why? What? What? what how does? How does the winner of the Voice end I up in down, South Africa? In sometimes uh, South Africa. And sometimes I walk down Church Street and I'm like, "How did I get here?" <laughs> it's just so different to what I'm used to. But um, it's been honestly a year of like complete growth. I mean, it's it, stepping you away from everyone, you know, all your comfort zones, you know, all the safety of, you know, family and your friends and whatever. My girlfriend got a job here with Unilever. 
And she said to me at the beginning of last year, do you want to go to Liverpool? And I was like, well, I know Liverpool has a wild music scene. I know, you know, the UK has got an amazing music scene. I know they have sunlight for 22 days a year. <laughs> so, give and take. <laughs> so, no. But I mean, I knew that there would be sort of, you know, a bit of sacrifice moving to somewhere so different to what I'm used to and the things that I necessarily love, obviously, because I love, you know, the beaches and being outside and being able to do stuff like that because I am a very active person. But I think coming to a place like this, you know, it, like it's it's been an amazing experience just experiencing new cultures and seeing what it's like on the scene i mean i've been busking that's where you guys found me you know like a little stray <laughs> like a little stray dog there in the corner of williamson square <laughs> playing, playing skinny love but it's 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 really taught me a lot i mean i've sung more this year in the last year than i have in my whole life just be, having to play all the time and practice and write and create and continue and just keep at it, keep at it. It's been a hell of a grind and it's been a humbling experience because obviously you go from the voice to like starting, I've literally started from the bottom on the streets. But I, I, it's, it's, it's been really humbling and I, again, you know, I wouldn't change it. It's, it's been tough. Obviously, when you're playing there and you can't feel your fingers because it's like minus two degrees wind chill and you're half your face <laughs> is asleep while you're trying to sing. You know, but it's kind of, I think it gives you a lot of content to write about. You know, because if it's plain sailing and easy days all the time, you don't really learn and you don't really grow and you don't really reflect. So, yeah, I mean, Liverpool will always hold a very, very special place in my heart. And the Chechen. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, well, you've had to adapt, haven't you, in, in the Liverpool scene because it's a total culture difference, isn't it? And we know we've, Sam and I, through Sea Life, we've sent you into some venues to play and you've you've had to learn quick to mm. adapt to different people in, in, in a room, especially when when you're singing in Grand Central or something. Yeah. Which is so different to singing in a restaurant. Um because every audience is different every mm. night in Liverpool. And that's the good thing about Liverpool. There's 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 a place for each music sort of genre. There's a place some you can go and listen to to every genre of music. I think, and also, Liverpool is quite a welcoming city, and I know oh. a lot of people um, who now just walk past you just to see you play uh, every week. You've got a bit of a, a busking fan base as well now. Which yeah, is, dude, it's uh, so it's wild. dope. I mean, that's the thing that I love about, you know, if you tell people in South Africa that you do music, they'll give you money out of pity. You know, it's kind of like, oh God, what are you? What else are you doing with your life, my boy? But like, there's something about the culture here, and I think it's a European thing as well because I see a lot of the, you know, the tourists and stuff. They appreciate it, and they'll sit there. And I mean, I've sold, I bought like 50, 60 CDs here with me um, at the beginning of the year, and I was like, oh, I'll see if I can sell any. I sold all of them in like a month and a half, and it was just mind blowing. Oh, they don't know me. You know, and the fact that they appreciate music and they'll take time out of their day while they're walking from M&S to go and get some shoes at Primark, you know, <laughs> they'll come and they'll stop and they'll give me money. They'll chat to me. And, you know, it's just it's 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 an amazing it's an amazing spirit that there is with the people here. I mean, Scousers are the friendliest people you'll meet. You know, it's it's so and then the tourists and everyone. I mean, I got a message from a guy and I love the way you guys speak. You're like, um. Oh, it's boss, mate. Yeah, you know, you say it's boss. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, I can't do the flipping uh, Liverpool accent. I need to learn it. But he was like, oh, bro, just wanted to let you know 
I've been listening to your CD every day and it's flipping boss, mate. Hope you have another one coming soon. We'll see you on the streets when you're out there again. And it's just like, yeah, it's just such a rad culture and I've really enjoyed it, to be honest. So, yeah. Do you find, do you have find, you found, have you found that your, your songwriting has changed since you've been here? As, you, as the experience of being in Liverpool kind of changed how you were writing songs when you were back in South Africa? I was, after The Voice, it was kind of like, obviously the music scene's very different then. We kind of look at the world, our music stations, radio stations look at the world with regards to English music and pop music at the world as the benchmark. You know, and we don't have a huge English scene because we've got such a diverse community. I mean, this is a country, we have 11 national languages, so it's like crazy. Um, so you're dealing with a lot of different sort of aspects of it. But English scene particularly, it's like there's a template that you kind of have to go for. So I kind of was, you know, like head down trying to work out, you know, how guys write pop tunes, what they have, like, you know, and then I, I in my second EP, I had a couple of songs that were literally written and catered for sonically to fit the bill for radio, you know? We got super produced drums and super tight vocals that are like super compressed in your face that aren't necessarily the kind of vibe that I would personally like to listen to at the end of the day. And it did get on radio, some of those songs did really well, but when I came here, it was like, no one knows who I am. No one gives a shit if I sing this or if I sing that, no one really minds. So it's a case of being like, okay, what is true to me, let me work it out and, you know, proceed like that. So it did give me a hell of a lot of freedom. Brilliant. Yeah. And coming back, we, we like you said, we, we found you busking in Williamson Square. And we we kind of, I remember turning to Chris and I said, Chris, this this dude is unbelievable. This Why is he here? Like, there's, there's got to be a story behind him. There's no way that he can just be out here. And then obviously... We learn that you're from South Africa. You've come over here with your girlfriend. And then we, we do a little bit of research into you've won the voice in South Africa. It it was like, why is no one pick this kid up? Like, it, it doesn't, it just it didn't make sense. Well, SCE did. So well, here we go. That's where it goes, bro. And oh. Like Chris said, you we've taken you on board. We're putting you in venues now that... Um, well, we were. This obviously, this coronavirus has uh, put a little stop in the way of putting you in in the restaurants, in the clubs, and the bars. Yeah, go for I really it. Really enjoyed this. I haven't thought about the coronavirus during this entire interview. I just thought about that now. So thank you so much. This has been a, a breath of fresh air. You guys are legends. Sorry, as you were. <laughs> this is why we do it. We want to speak to people, and we want to give this a platform. That this is a platform for people to speak about themselves, about upcoming projects that they've got coming up. Um, and again, just a break from the the news. This feels like every single day there's something bad that's happening with with deaths of people and you know, which is very unfortunate and it's it's horrible to think that, you know, two months ago we would never think that we'd be in a situation like this. But the sad reality is that we are and obviously we send our condolences to every single person that's being affected with the coronavirus and all the the NHS staff, nurses, uh, key workers, they're doing an incredible job for the country and around the world as well. Um, but I, I, going back to yourself, Richard, um, it was crazy to think that you know a person of your ability, musically wise, musicality wise, and voice wise as well, 
uh, that you were in Liverpool just busking. And I know several of my friends who go out busking and, and earn a pretty nice wedge of money uh, just doing that. But what what was the what was the moment for you where you thought I need to make that next step? Um, you know, I, I didn't really take it seriously for the first couple of months. I'd saved up a bit of cash and I was kind of, it wasn't really financially stressed at all. Um, and then there was a day where my mate was down, a friend of mine who's moved to Bulgaria from South Africa and he came down here and I was like, I didn't even have cash to, because I didn't want to then touch any of my South African savings. That's all away. So I had no cash and I was like, Oh God, I can't even buy my, my mates, you know, breakfast. So like, I need to make a plan. And then I started busking and I saw that if you took it seriously, you got some good songs together because I didn't know a lot of covers. I didn't play a lot of covers because I played originals back home with a band or whatever. So I learned covers and I played and I found that it could be quite lucrative. But then obviously, you know, it gets quite tiring. And then to have two guys like you come and say, we could put you in these beautiful venues where people appreciate it and you'll be warm and you'll have, you know those kind of things like you you'll be able to feel your fingers for the entire show it was a very exciting prospect again no but in all seriousness it was just after a couple of months of doing it obviously i do want to push and push and push i don't want to busk on the streets forever as dope as it is so as soon as you guys came i mean i was always looking for for more so yeah i remember the first time i remember the first time we saw you actually i'll shadow what sam said and we were we were walking through town we just been to a meeting and um we heard you up the street and we kind of went he's got a good voice uh and we went over and it was and then we we, we gave you a card and, and we, we we had a chat later on but i remember sitting with sam and we were, we were having a coffee after and we were just we 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 had your name obviously by that and we were like this guy's won the voice and he's on the streets singing so- what is going on? <laughs> it's just and but then we've got to know you more and we, we, we work with you quite a lot now and it's just it's nice to see someone like you and most I will be honest, most of the venues that we put you in, most of them say genuine top nice lad. And that's that's Thank the you. most important. And and, and 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 I think that's what people want. They yeah. want a genuine artist, and that's why you go down so well in the venues we put you in it because people know what they're going to get now, and people know you're a quality singer. People know that you you, you can play well, you're, you're entertaining, you've got charisma, and that goes a long way in this city. I think there's, there's two sides of this city from, from when I was growing up. You either played sport or you're, you're a musician. Mm. For for uh, luckily for anyone I played football with, I was more of a musician. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and but that's what people want to see. And the, the, the history of, and of, of entertainment in this city is unbelievable. And I think you've kind of just adapted so fast, and you've you've listened to advice from say Sam and I about certain venues, and now you can you can just. Do your own things with with venues. You go in. You, we say try these songs and stuff like that, and you think, what are the? But then you get now what each venue is like. Can I be on it? I always sang the slow, intro, introspective love songs or whatever. That's kind of was my wheelhouse. <laughs> and then pl- doing that gig at Grand Central the other day, um, before the eighties, before the Wild Boys, and you said I needed to get the guys dancing. I'd never been that dude. 
But the set list we got together and the vibe we created is exhilarating, bro. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, I yeah, my dancing leaves a bit to be desired, but I mean, commit to anything and do it with <laughs> conviction and people feel chilled. So no, I mean, I absolutely loved it. So thanks to you guys for believing in me and putting me in those venues and saying you can, you know, you can get those having a party so as well. Thank it's you. essentially another string to your bow. You know, you can you can play guitar, you can sing, you're a good looking lad. It's it 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 plays in your favour. It plays in your favour. And at the end of the day, if you can go out there and do forty five minutes of full on, you know, floor filling um pop rock songs that people are gonna either sing along to, get up and dance, you know, you you essentially you've 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 made it in that scene and it it shows because you're getting booked and for restaurants and other other venues as well the likes of the grand centrals and the cabaret clubs as well so it's 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 on your head as well you know you you put in the hard work and and learn the songs and uh, we we give suggestions um and you take it on like chris said it's you 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 were actually one of the first ones that came on board um and it was a bit of a you know a bit of a coup for both you know myself and Chris to kind of say we've got we've got this guy who's won the voice from South Africa so you're you're a you're a great credit to have on our books and obviously you know we we're going to do everything we can after this coronavirus is all all uh, finished and we've got a cure yeah <laughs> thank you so much it's really been a pleasure working with you guys so I'm glad that uh, you walked down Williamson Street because some guys just bypass that. Most people bypass that. So I'm stoked you, you stop by. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to the end of uh, tonight's uh, C-Live podcast entertainment. Entertainment podcast, I got the word mixed up then. Uh, but regardless, I know that, uh, Chris, uh, you wanted uh, to take a little moment to just uh, have a few words about uh, something that's impacted you this week. Yeah, I just want to uh, speak about, as you sh- I was just going to say what you kind of said before, um, the virus, it's been a massive, massive change to everyone's lives. Um, we know as, our, as musicians, us, we're, we're, we're in the position now where we can reflect on things, we can write songs, we can sort of slow down in, in that respect. But uh, there are people working hard uh, to keep the country going. Uh, but one thing that I do, one thing is that um, I, I, Sam knows that I, I, I teach music as well. That's what, something I do during the day. And I, I have been doing sort of lockdown uh, lessons online and stuff. And, and I, have, I have a lovely student, Dave Rowland, uh, who, um, lovely fella from Walton Village, absolutely lovely fella. Really into the Beatles, really into music, really into David Bowie. David Bowie was a was a massive influence for him, and I spoke to him last Friday, um, and we had a little FaceTime lesson, and uh, went really well. And then I messaged him on the Tuesday and said, "How are you? All right for this week?" And he said, "I'm in hospital. I've got a chest infection." Um, and as soon as he kind of said that, you kind of think, all right, just get out as soon as you can. And then Wednesday morning was the last time I spoke to Dave. Um, and then I had, uh, I, I found uh, his partner, Anne, on um, Facebook and a message. And she told me he's, he was in an induced coma through the virus. Um, 
and then Dave unfortunately uh, passed away through the virus. So from going from one, a couple of days of doing lessons with me um, to sadly no longer here, it just brings everything home, uh, how much we've just got to be safe, um, look after our family, look after our friends who you think are vulnerable. Just think carefully about staying in. Just stay in and just it will it will get better. We but we've just got to be patient and we've just got to uh, stay in. So Dave Rowland, all his family, all his friends. Um, this is this is for you, Dave. <laughs>